0: Hello, everyone, and it's me, Malcolm, all the way from Atlanta, Georgia. If you didn't know that, you know the one. You know, if you go out and find me on Facebook or somewhere else or LinkedIn or whatever, it's Malcolm Evans, the one with the accent. Why do I say that? Well, you know, it seems like at a period in time, everybody who was born was called Malcolm Evans. There's rock stars out there, professors, which I professed not to be one. Um, so that is it Um, if we've not met before hey hi and the whole purpose of this just having beer with a friend which my wife tells me off time and time again is that's not very professional well guess what you know sometimes we have to do the things that are closest to our hearts my family's been in beer for 250 years in a straight line without a break my dad used to say beer is in your blood, or at least it should be at nine o'clock tonight. And I have a great friend that I want everybody to uh, to to meet. Carol, are you over there? I am. I'm happy to be here. Uh, I and you're always happy. You're you're one of the consistent people I, that I can say is always a pleasure and a joy to actually have a conversation with. And you know, we both we're both coaches. We are both bouncy we're on our game but if i want to boost i'll get a hold of carol i'll get her on the phone she's always smiling and she has a huge history and she is doing great stuff out there so with very i, I don't if, if i could play the drums or something and I actually there's half a drum kit here which my son left when he went to college a couple of years ago and never came back for i should learn how to do a drum roll on there one day <laughs> carol um if you could just help with the drum roll and, uh, and hey, tell us where you're from and you know how you got there and what you do.
1: Oh my goodness, <laughs> I'm, in, I'm in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, where I'm from as I was actually born in West Texas and grew up in Louisiana. I'm a good old Southern girl. Uh, never thought I'd be in Florida this long. Uh, one of the things that got me here was trusting in someone else's vision for me until I could believe it for myself. And that's happened three very pivotal times in my life. It's how I got a tennis scholarship because I didn't start playing until I was 15 and it did not come naturally. And it's how I got to Florida because I was going through a divorce. My car caught on fire. Insurance wouldn't pay. It's like, okay, what do you do next? Right? So I hop over to Dallas, Texas, and I'm living with my second cousin. She was head of personnel for Neiman Marcus. And she taught me how to buy the Navy suits and the pearls. And this was in 1987. The government had just broken up AT&T Monopoly with all the baby bells and long distance competition was fierce. I got hired by a company called Metro Media Communications. And she said, will you come in tomorrow and meet my boss, the vice president? I said, sure. So I get dressed up the next day, Malcolm, and I go back in there and she interviews me and she looks at me and she says, great. I'll see you in Miami in a week. And I said, no, you won't. Now, mind you, I needed a job. <laughs> I, knew, I knew I didn't want to be a tennis teaching professional my entire life. I had gotten off the tennis tour due to injuries and I was pushing back. And I said, look, you have an office in Dallas. I'm interviewing in Dallas. My friends from the tennis tour are in Dallas and my family's three and a half hours away. I'm working in Dallas. <laughs> Pretty ballsy, right? For someone who needed a job. She calmly looked at me again and she said, I need somebody really strong in Miami in a week. And I push back again. I'm like, how do you know I'm strong? I've never done this before. And here's what she said to me that I've never forgotten. She said, trust me and be there in a week. And so I did. And that led to an almost 27-year, very successful sales career as a sales expert in Fortune 100 companies. So I tell you that, to tie that in, it's one of the things I do for my clients, right? I hold the vision for my clients of who they were truly created to be. So they can let go of that story that's holding them in the past and step into who they were truly created to be. And after almost 27 years uh, in corporate America, um, through a series of events, uh, took a job with a very, very small company, even though I love large corporate structure, and we didn't stay together very long. We had a very different belief system, a very different parting of the ways, and within six weeks, I was out of the job. And guess what? I got up the next day and had an interview the very next day, interviewed all over this country for so many months that I depleted my 401k. Now, my next book coming out is going to be called You Can't Read the Label When You're Inside a Jar. And we're all all in a jar. And I was in my jar. All I could see is that I was a buttoned up corporate sales professional. I had to get a job, right? Many, many, many months into this process because faith is my foundation, I'm in my prayer time with God. And to be honest, Malcolm, I was I was kind of yelling. <laughs> I'm like, come on, God, you made me. You know, I do not want to own my own business. I'm not cut out to be an entrepreneur. You've got to help me find a good job. Now, my God has a sense of irony, if you will, and a sense of humor, because two weeks from the day of that prayer, out of the blue, a lady that I met one time out of town at a conference sent me an email and she gifted me a $3,500 ticket to go to Los Angeles to study at Gorilla Business School, which was what? A, a foundational school for entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. So God closed all those doors and he's like, look. So off I went. And that's where I came up with a book title for my next book. And it's where I first learned about empowering questions. And I was amazed. And I was determined to master them. And so since May of 2015, I've worked to master empowering questions. And it's one of the reasons I'm known as the queen of reframe. And here I am today as a business leadership coach and professional speaker, um, as the queen of reframe.
0: And at at this point, you know, if somebody wants to reach out to get hold of you, where can they find you on the web? Oh
1: my goodness. Um, yes, www.carolboston.com. All of my social media for Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter is the at sign at T H E at the Carol Boston. And my business page on LinkedIn is at the Carol Boston coaching
0: great consistency I always like to get that out of the way early just in case we have so much fun and we forget (laughs) at the end so well that's great well thanks for you know for for framing that now um you know we've had lots of conversations uh, about coaching the value of it um, how sometimes people don't see it now you You were exposed to coaching at a very early age on the
1: tennis circuit, weren't you? And Actually, actually much, much earlier than that. My dad, I grew up in the country between two brothers, Mm. very competitive household. My dad put me on a ball team, softball team, when I was five years old. And they wouldn't let me play because they said I was too young. So fast forward to us, age seven, he put me back on that team. Now, we lived in the country, Malcolm. We had cow patties, cow patties (laughs) for bases. I never learned to slide. (laughs) And that's really how I got started. And I I, mean, I played tackle football with the best of them, baseball, basketball. As a matter of fact, in 1971, I was in sixth grade. We moved to a bigger town called Shreveport, Louisiana. And I was the very first girl to play little league hardball with the boys, not even recognizing that I was breaking all of these rules, if you will. Right. Because in the deep South, there's a lot of Rules that are spoken and unspoken yeah. about how little girls are supposed to behave, and my mother was not happy with me. <laughs> but I had a dad on the sidelines going, "That's my daughter, right?" Playing shortstop with the boys. <laughs> so, yeah, I had I had coaches from a very very young age.
0: Yeah. And you know, it makes me laugh. Then I'm thinking back at uh, to some of the things that my had aunties that believe that little boys should be seen and not heard. So, it's, so there are all around the world. There are things that are. Uh, that are in place and maybe not written down. So it's, yeah. uh, so, so, you know, um, how would you, do you explain to somebody that, you know, like the value of a coach, you know, why, you know, if you know how to do everything, why do you need a coach?
1: Well, number one, I don't think anybody knows how to do everything. And I also believe that anytime you say, I know that mm. you turn your brain off, you can't learn anything new. Right now, do you have, everything you need inside of you. Did you come here fully equipped? Absolutely. But do you know how to ask the right questions to get to the answers? And oftentimes, what worked to get you to where you are today is not what's going to work to get you to the next level. But because we're what? We're inside our jar. We can't see that. And these empowering questions and coaches, good coaches, great coaches are going to ask you great questions. You see, every answer has a question, not every question has an answer, right? And who was it that said this? Um, My mind just went blank, I'll think of it. But he said, if I had to come up with an answer and I had one hour to do it and my life depended on it, I would spend the first 55 minutes crafting the right question. Because once I have the right question, I get the right answer in five minutes. And so oftentimes as individuals, we really don't know the questions to ask to get to those answers. And we're not objective. We're not objective. And as human beings, it's very difficult to be accountable to ourselves. A coach helps keep you accountable for doing the things that you say you're going to do to get you to where you say you want to go. So I think the value is tremendous. And if you look at nothing else, why in the world are professional football coaches, forget that college coaches today. Are paid multiple millions of dollars tremendous value
0: mm. you know um i i, I wasn 't very good at tennis, but I was pretty good at rugby and i had early uh, early in my career i did uh, the the fortune to uh, to be part of a you know a club where it 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 had some of the top players in the world and the and the coach pulled me aside one time you know here I was sort of nineteen twenty years old surrounded by my heroes you know and getting knocked over and bumps on my head from them and thoroughly enjoying it <laughs> and he said to me he said look um you, you you've come here um it, it's not my job to get you physically fit so you can run and keep up with everything it's my job to bring out what's underneath the surface mm. and and have it blend in with the capabilities and the coat you know build a cohesive team that flows. That's my job as a coach. So get fit. And wow, I took that, you know, there was a dressing down in front of all of these these people. And um, I started to learn the value of, of, of the coach there. And, you know, I as one would say, look, I can't teach you too much. You've got it in you to your point. It's all in you. Job is to bring it out because often it's, yes. it's confidence. It's often, you know, bad habits that have crept in over a period of time. And uh, you know, there's um, I I I know you will experience this, you know, because all coaches do. You know, we'll we'll talk to people and say, look, you you play tennis, you play golf. Would you would you ever sort of get somebody to look over your shoulder and help you improve your game a little bit? A you know, coach? Oh yeah. Well, if you've got something going on in your career, your your wellness, your business, your, your life in general, would you do the same thing? And the answer can be very different because I think a lot of the, not so much ego, but then stigma creeps in. Or why do I need help?
1: Mm.
0: But for for things that are, you know, simple and petty. Well, or petty. You know, people you know, having a good golf game is very important to some people. But you know, but, but the fundamental, foundational things for life. You know, I I, I think uh, uh, often. Um, People don't pay attention to them because they feel, you know, what was somebody going to judge me for about this? I don't know if you come across that. I, I, would, I, would.
1: I think there's something super important about what you just said. And one is when somebody hires a coach for tennis or golf, oftentimes they can physically see immediate results. They can see results. But when you're doing the work, whether it's on your life in your health in your business, and you made a good point, right? Bad habits. It takes longer to undo things that no longer serve us. We don't necessarily see those results right away. We also, I believe, we will stay with what's familiar even when it's uncomfortable,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? And I think you addressed that when you talked about ego. I had a recent past client, and she took my, you know, my $97 for 90 minute snowmageddon call, right? And I call it clarity to cash. You're going to get clear. So in so Florida, the end of the call, you're getting snow. You're having
0: snowmageddon days. I'm in Atlanta. That's our title. So, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Go on. I'm sorry. And
1: so we got to end of this call, and I always give homework, yeah. and then we have a, a two-week follow-up call. Well, this particular client was working on four things. And I said, okay, I want you to take number four and put it to number one, and the immediate response was, oh, Carol, like that's my least favorite. I want you to think about what I said about comfort and familiarity. And I said, do you trust me? And she said, yes. I said, great. Move number four to number one. Move number two to number three. Don't even look at number four. And then this is what I want you to do. And I gave her an action plan. She grew that revenue stream that I moved from number four to number one, 33% the first month. Was it comfortable? No, but we only grow outside of our comfort zone. That's another value that a coach has is they're willing to hold your hand, if you will, through the uncomfortableness of growth. And and people will st- listen, I've had people they're not happy with what their life
0: mm-hmm.
1: but they don't hire me because it's easier to stay with what's familiar even if it's uncomfortable.
0: You 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 got it. Instead of, you know, and and um, we will very quickly sort of read people uh when they complain a lot about something and and you know and i'm I'm, you know we've all experienced it this last couple of years people have been going through terrible things especially single people you know they um they're so used to going to the office that was their social network yeah you know i i call it you know the, the warm coffee and free toilet paper you know but it's whatever they they want to do The i've been the corporate world it's not for me any longer and uh but um i i, I recognize that there's been uh, people's lives have been turned upside down. And here they are working from home. You know, the, the, and I've, I've worked from home for many years, you know, even in, in the corporate world. um, it's this the, the, the sense of teamwork falls apart. Insecurities start creeping in. I wonder if my job is OK. You know, the anxiety starts to build up then extra eating starts up. They're not getting the exercises. And then it, it's just a downward spiral and it doesn't take much to actually trigger these things. Hmm. And, and I, I think a big part of it is the isolation. There is not somebody looking over their shoulder. There's not somebody seeing them every day at, at, at work or wherever, you know, a friend makes a comment or something like that, you know, um, you know, so yeah, I'm, I, I absolutely believe in the, in the value of coaching. And I, and I, uh, it's, it's such a giving community. you get a, you get 20 coaches in a room. They'll start sharing ideas. Nobody sees each other as a competitor. Right. And, and I, and I urge people that when I go to different networking meetings or I have to speak or something, so if you've got something to give, stand up and give it, don't keep it to yourself. Don't be shy. You've got, you know, uh, you know, I read somewhere that uh, the definition of an expert is somebody that knows a little bit about a, a, more of a subject than somebody else does. Well, if you can help somebody along the way or give them some confidence or be that one looking over their shoulder to help them up their game, you know, step forward, offer it. You know, don't worry about hearing no or something. If it's in your heart, take it and share it. So anyway, that's, that's out of oh, my... Well no the
1: beautiful the beautiful thing about that is and and how i how i say it is that i believe that god gave you a fingerprint that nobody's ever had nobody will ever have it but it's so that you can leave a unique handprint on the world it's not so you can go hide it under a bush and play safe and stay small yeah right and yeah. and givers gain given and given and you shall receive right
0: I'm I'm just writing that down because that's well articulated. Uh, you know, givers gain, you know, and it and it's you know, even when you and that's sort of counterintuitive, but it's all right. You know, giving something away doesn't create a loss for you.
1: It it's, creates an openness to receive. Exactly. And so. I will tell you, I mean, even back I remember back in corporate America, <laughs> this one lady, she was in a under a different team, but we partnered on certain deals. And, she, and Tim, she was so good at what she did. I mean, she was number one, 16 years. She was big, tall, loud. She made some of my peers cry. She got into cursing with some of my peers, right? <laughs> I mean, she, that's just who she was. And the very first time I took her on an account with me, she took the account away from me and gave it to a different division. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was green at paychecks. green. It was on a Friday afternoon, I'll never forget. And I go into the office on Monday morning. I had my private one-on-one you know, sales call with my coach, my manager. And she looked at me and she says, well, what did you say to Suzanne? I said, what do you mean? She said, Suzanne called me and apologized for what happened on Friday. She goes, I've known that woman for a decade. She didn't apologize to anybody, right? <laughs> and so that was about relationship. It was about communication and relationship. And I'm not sure why I quite got off on that tangent. You had made a point about um Giver's game. Yeah. So I gave her a referral. It was her biggest. It was a hundred thousand dollar account that she closed. This is in payroll and HR. That was a big account. Right. Yeah. And she said, I'm not giving Carol referral fees. She didn't give me this referral, blah, blah, blah. I went right back into that CRM system. Let me tell you, folks, if you have a CRM system, the data that you get out is only as good as the data you put in. And I had dated because it dated and timestamped everything. I just went and pulled out a report, took it over to her. And here's what I said. This was my point. I said, Suzanne, as long as your hands are closed so tightly, gripping onto what you think is yours, they will never be open to receive all that God in the universe has to give you. Yep. And I just put the paper in front of her and I said, I'll take my referral fee.
0: Mm-hmm
1: right because often and another way to say that maybe somebody else will hear it this way malcolm is that oftentimes we are holding on so tightly to yesterday's blessings that we're missing today's miracles we're going to miss them because we're not open there's no space
0: yeah and it's you know i think what happens you know people react to conditions around them instead of conditions within them and um you know I remember my dad you know uh, telling me and, and coincidentally it's his birthday today so dad huh. you know wherever you are say, happy That's birthday, birthday. <laughs> <laughs> um and you know as, as a kid you know I was uh I was I was, you know, I was a chubby kid I was overweight we grew up in a pub it was obviously easy to get a you know glass of coke or a chocolate bar or something like that maybe I wasn't having the exercise and of course you know things start to you know happen we we, we tend to tend to notice the other sex and dad you know I'm worried about there I want to maybe I should you know I want new clothes or I want to go on a diet and he said to me look you know if people don't love you for who you are they'll never love you for being somebody else so don't worry just be comfortable in the way God created you and I always remember that stuff and one day I will write a little book of some of the things that he said Mm -hmm. Uh, and I will edit it and take some of the words out but uh, <laughs> but but the wisdom was was always there. Yeah. Now, um Carol today, what 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 do you focus on? What's your niche and and how did you sort of, you know, arrive into that, you know, and when...
1: when I first start I was getting my second coaching certification it was back in the fall of 2017. This is obviously back before Zoom and everything and so there was about 100 people on this call with the, the coach, the multimillionaire coach who was certifying all of us. Now, I told you that I had almost 27 years of very successful sales experience, right? So he says, Carol, you're a sales coach. And I said, I don't want to be a sales coach. <laughs> and he says, it's the hottest niche with the fewest good coaches, and you are really good. I said, I don't want to be a sales coach. So he sighs. And he goes, oh, okay, Carol, what do you want to do? And I said, my ideal client knows and accepts that they are 100% responsible for their experience of life. This man, Malcolm, he groaned so loudly, he went, oh my God, Carol, personal development, that sounds like work. Nobody's paying for work. He said, sell them what they want and give them what they need. And I said, you know, I'm a rule follower. That sounds like bait and switch. It took me two years to understand. So when I first started, I called myself an executive leadership coach. What I discovered is people would have conversations with me. I knew I could help them. They knew I could help them. But before we took that next step to talk about the program, they would run off and go, I I know I can't afford you. They didn't even know what the investment was. But that word executive, you talked earlier about how people, you know, so I took the word executive off Mm -hmm. and I called myself a leadership coach. And I had been doing this for, I don't know. I had, you know, paying clients, I don't know, 18 months, two years. And I noticed that my clients would introduce me to somebody else as you got to meet Carol, my amazing business coach. And I would say, I'm not a business coach. Malcolm, I paid a lot of money. I went out to be in a private band with Suzanne Evans. You know, Suzanne Evans. I yeah. went to Beverly Hills and I came back three years ago, came back. And there was a lady on my team who helped me write my workshops and content for my talks and everything. Her name was Lori. <clears throat> And I said, Lori, either I don't know how to explain myself or Suzanne just doesn't get me. And she said, how come? I said, Suzanne says I'm a business coach. And Lori helped me understand. People were hiring me because they wanted to grow their business, right? That didn't change what I did on the back end. She helped me see that the leadership principles, tools, and habits that I was getting them to put into place were helping them result in doubling and tripling their income. So I listened to my clients and I became a business leadership coach. But as I shared with you earlier, before we really got rolling here, leadership, personal leadership ties into every area of your life. So for example, I had a client last spring hired me. She was in politics. And about three months into our coaching, I get a text one night that says, thought, I still have it, thought you might want to know. You saved my marriage of 13 years. Thank you, thank you so much. We're happier than we've ever been, and it's from the work that I'm doing with you. Think about it. She hired me for business, but what she needed was more effective communication. And what that, she needed was what she needed was to get curious as a leader right and that is you know.
0: Uh, and we we have we, we followed you know um, some you know, parallel paths or same paths or whatever. And I I would encourage it, every coach. If you don't have a coach, get a coach. Absolutely. That, that's your that's your pivotal moment. You know, somebody looking over your shoulder and whatever. Yep. Um. And um. For me, once I started getting a coach, I was seeing a whole bunch of blind spots. And and as a man, we have you know we have egos and whatever. Like I, nobody can do it like me. Well, when you end up doing everything or wherever you take your eye off the ball and what i what I realized when I started getting a coach is that um some of the things that were holding me back in one area were holding me back in many areas, mm-hmm. and all of these things are interconnected and uh, um i I can say in particular over this last couple of years that my my relationship with my my wife and you know we've been married nearly forty years, known each other since we were thirteen. Uh, that's a whole story there is is, is 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 richer and 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 more satisfying for both of us now than it's ever been
1: and that's awesome
0: i do not take a, a bite of the food that she she cooks and you know i i've been blessed with two amazing cooks in my life my 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 mom and my 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 wife and and you know you get hungry and get to the table. Oh, as soon as I started to realize, you know, it, it, and I still have to hold myself, so hold myself back every now and then when the food's really good and I'm really hungry, and I start, and I woke well, halfway through and said, "No." There was an awful lot of, a lot of. Love and and time and and preparation and knowledge and, and affection that went into preparing this. I've got to pay it the you know the respect that i know it deserves and and i do that so you know i might have to catch myself sometimes and uh, as i'm chewing and eating and tasting it the byproduct is i've lost weight because I don't feel as hungry because I'm taking longer. My you, know, my you know my body works that way or whatever. So you know the the one thing that um, first and foremost me paying sort of you know respect and being um, uh, the gratitude I'm trying to display for the time and effort she put that food is is paying dividends in other areas. So i would i would encourage everyone to uh you know to to work with a coach and and you know start one place but but look at the whole, you know look at the pips and then you end up you know seeing the orange afterwards and sometimes you know we, we look myopically look too close at one individual problem because that's the only thing we want to do those you know whatever's not working is symptomatic of other things that are that are um you know causing it and whatever
1: and absolutely uh, and I- If I may, you mentioned blind spots and we all have them. Mm. Everybody has them. And when you said something about paying respect for the food, it triggered me. I had a client and I was trying to get her to write down her time every day in 15 minute increments. And she was like, oh, my God, she went like this. She goes, that's handcuffs to me, Carol. And I said, would you be willing to do it for a week? And she resisted and she resisted. And then she finally did it. And we're having a coaching session and a conversation and she makes a comment. She goes, I don't understand why anybody would spend five hours cooking a meal to sit down and have somebody eat it in 10 minutes. And I started laughing. I said, well, number one, if you eat it in 10 minutes, you're eating way too fast. And I said, but number two, I find it really interesting that you just showed me that last week you spent nine hours on social media content for no return but you don't understand why somebody would spend five hours.
0: I, I, I'm I'm, gonna do this because I'm, I'm, I I'm, think I spend five hours a week making coffee. You know, I drink far too much coffee. <laughs> Sorry, uh, but you were, uh, but you know. But, but she had a blind spot. You see she had a blind spot. spot. Exactly there. And, uh, and it, you know, we, we've all had it. We get engrossed in something. And the next thing we know that, you know, that we're into the afternoon, you know, our day is gone and what's been productive, you know, so.
1: All right. One, one of the things that I try to do and I work with my clients to do, um, and I'm glad to say I'm getting better at it. Nobody's 100% right, is if I find myself straying, like if I'm going to sit down and this is what I'm doing for the next hour and I find myself start to stray, I stop, I change my state. If I'm sitting, I stand up. If I stand up, I sit. And I ask myself, is this the high, what is the highest and best use of my time right now?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's, as a leader, how we keep ourselves in check. How would the person I want to become do the thing I'm about to do? Can you imagine if we all asked ourselves that question more often? We would be making different and better decisions. Mm.
0: I've got a, you know, we we all get angels on different shoulders or whatever. I've got Mike Smith on my one shoulder. I've got a friend back in the old country that... (sighs) You you put him in a kitchen. He will he will he will just naturally clean up as he goes. Mm-hmm. You know this, this is this is the guy that uh, um, his wife says, Mike, I I can't find something in you know, uh, a, a, a pot or a pan or whatever. No, I put it on eBay. Why? He said you've not used it. But don't worry, I've <laughs> replaced the crack cup that we we had in the you know the coffee service at our wedding you know thirty five years ago, and M- Mike is. You, you know, he's he keeps me straight. When I when I do something and I don't clean up, I, I always look at it and think, what would Mike do? And I mm-hmm. I I'm not saying I've shamed myself into it. He's just he's just been a just been an example. Be yeah, role model, yeah. 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 And uh and he's never, ever nagged me. Ever, ever, ever about anything. And uh and uh I remember one time uh it was a new year's eve and we said right you know what are we going to do next year and i said well i'm you know i'm going to run this marathon you know and i was in in britain i said i'm going to run the new york marathon i was coming up to 40 and he said i want to do that So, okay and there was a another fellow we were at his house and he said i want to do that so the very next morning okay first of january I called mike you come in Yep, just get my shoes on i called the other guy ian said so you come in said, so get lost i would you know <laughs> and and um, mike and myself we we ran thousands of miles together after we traveled the world you know running marathons and so on and just a just an exemplary person and i i, I treat him as my coach he doesn't know it and i'm not paying him um so <laughs> but he, he's 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 the guy that i learned so much from and it was applicable it was easy to apply and uh, it didn't you know know, habits change you know us and sometimes we resist them but once we once we go with them and and we apply these things like your 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 client now writing down all of the time or wherever we 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 see you know we put a spotlight on you know maybe the the areas we can just put some improvement in so i you know i so appreciate that you know everything you said and you know it's uh and you know someone said to me the other day that, you know, coaching, it, it, it feels too much like therapy. Mm. I said, well,
1: well, no, it, it, there are two different things. Totally. And, you, know, you come across that? Absolutely. And I tell people there's a big difference between a ther- therapist and a coach. A therapist will go back and take you back to your childhood, right, to try to uncover the some roots of things. And a coach is going to take you from where you are and move you forward. A good coach is going to already have walked the path that you're walking. There are a few steps ahead of you. Oftentimes, and the example I gave you was of the amazing lady who recently committed suicide by jumping out of a building in New York City. 30 years old, freaking gorgeous, MBA, law degree, civil rights lawyer, Miss USA, right? Think about that. And when I heard the whole story, and she was an advocate for mental health. She had had a therapist, yeah. but when I heard the story and I heard the whole story, what her parents said, what her friends said, what she had said off and on over the last couple of years, I even said, God, why didn't you put me in front of her? I've been down that path. You talk about how I'm smiling all the time. Perhaps you don't know. I went through two very, very severe bouts of clinical depression. Very. I checked myself into a women's wellness clinic back in 1990. Still today is one of the five best things I ever did for myself. One of the five best things I ever did. You won't find anybody happier to get up to, to get up every day than me. But I've been down that road and I know how to overcome it and not go down that road again. So oftentimes, are therapists valuable? Absolutely. I had one for years, did a ton of work. Absolutely. But there's a time and place for everything. They can help you with the emotional stuff because they've been trained. But that doesn't mean they've walked in your shoes. Mm. They have not walked in your shoes. And so I think there's, there's a, a very big difference. And I think that years and years ago, there was a stigma. Ooh, when I, when I checked myself out of that women's wellness clinic, do you think I told my parents, hell no? My mom wanted everybody to believe we had three kids, a dog, a cat, white picket fence, and everything was perfect. Like you did not. That would have been like airing the dirty laundry. Yep. Yeah. Right? There was a stigma back then. Now it's much more acceptable because all these decades have gone by to have a therapist. You see all the Hollywood actors. Oh yeah, I'm in therapy. It's, it's accepted. Coaching is a little bit behind that Mm -hmm. as being accepted for help you to get you from where you are to where you want to go. I I don't, I don't know if that answered your question, but one one thing that's on my mind that I did want to say about your friend, Ian, that very important. Ian is someone who needed to have skin in the game. Had he hired you, had he invested money in you to coach him to run a marathon, he would have shown up. Right, And that's another thing why there's a big difference between a mentor and a coach. Yeah. A mentor, you get their time when it's convenient for them. You pay me to be your coach, and we set the dates and times we're going to meet every week, every month, you get me. I'm all yours, 150%. Think about it. There's a big difference. You've yeah. got to have skin in the game. I Otherwise, it has no value
0: i got to say, I do love Ian because he took me fishing one time. Um, but... <laughs> <laughs>
1: he took me fishing one time?
0: <laughs> well, yeah, it was a nice place. Right? So it was a, and, and a good guy. So, but uh, yeah. He's just
1: a good example. A lot of people yeah. don't invest. Hey,
0: but right. but I, I got one out of two. And, and that that's okay i, I, yeah. I, I, I went, I went Absolutely. forward and uh and we, we all uh he came with us on the trip he just didn't want to run so <laughs> right. and uh and new york's a good place to go for a a, a marathon encourage everyone to do it well look you know i i i really appreciate taking the the time out and um carol boston com.
1: no just carol com.
0: okay good okay because uh um i wasn't sure but that's why i asked and i made you know I'm yep. glad for the clarification well look I'm, I'm i'm so glad we we got to to chat and um every wednesday at five thirty eastern yeah you show us how to make craft cocktails <laughs> so, yeah, so and, it's fun
1: don't we <laughs> we
0: we do so and uh and what i what i like about uh what carol does is every month she will have you know like the foundational uh, uh sort of components of it whether it be a bourbon month or a vodka month or something like that so even if even if you, you're, you're you're not a, a drinker and you don't like cocktails wherever there's a whole bunch of interesting people that jump on there and they bring your fruit juice bring your water just come and socialize and uh and come and hear what carol's doing so okay well, we did a little
1: bit of business we still have fun yeah
0: now. and and yeah and you're very gracious of you know connecting the dots between people and uh and uh and and conversations we never know where these things are going to finish up you know and uh everyone's you know path has been different everyone's story has been different everyone's experience is different a lot of similarities and this is the, what I believe sometimes people um, think that they can't compete Look, of course they can compete if everyone competes in a different way and the mm-hmm. story is unique and it just need it's like a key and a uh, and a lock if they are the key they just need to find the right lock. The lock is there for them. They must know that, and there is only one key like them. And uh, and sometimes, hey, we need somebody to uh, um, to show them where you know what that lock looks like. You know, you know where to go find it. So
1: and, and you know, often, oftentimes, Malcolm, people they want to be like other people. Mm. I had a toxic ex, and she said to me, "We're just so different." And my response to her was. If we were both exactly alike, one of us would not be necessary.
0: Yeah, that's a good, that's a great point. All right, my love. Well, thank you so much. And Absolutely, thank you. I'll be checking in tonight and we'll uh, move along. And, um, and this will go out on uh, um, my um, podcast. It's probably, you know, somebody's listening to it here. I'll put it out on YouTube. Maybe it'll pop up on Facebook or wherever. But wherever it is, go look at it, like it. Comment, add your wherever's you should have spoken about this, or you know, um, Malcolm shaved the beard off, or something. I get all of these blooming con- you know, comments. <laughs> but, uh, hey, there's only one of us. That's right. You'd be well.
1: Okay. You too. Thanks, Thank Carol. you. Take care.